we begin again in love can be such a powerful ritual to recall times when we have fallen short and then begin again in love. How wonderful when it is that simple. And my mathematical mind thinks that maybe 80% of the time, all you have to do is acknowledge what happened and then you can begin again in love. 80% of the time you can simply say, I'm sorry that my ego got in the way, or I'm sorry that I made a mistake. And that's enough. You showed up, you showed that you listened, and that's enough. Hearts reopen and life goes on. And I reckon that 20% of the time, it's more complicated than that. 20% of the time there are disagreements about what happened or the ego isn't ready to self-reflect or our perspectives are so different that we can't find common ground to begin listening. 20% of the time, bridges come down and walls go up. We stew on resentments. We dwell on the worst things someone else did or our worst interpretation of what they said. That song, Building Bridges Between Our Divisions, I reach out to you, will you reach out to me? If only it was that simple that someone would take the initiative and reach out. Too often when there are divisions, there isn't enough trust for anybody to reach out. We stew in the heat of it all, or maybe something heavy and solid takes up space in our hearts. Even if I reach out to you, there might be strings attached. Maybe I'll reach out to you as long as it's all about you listening to me. I need to vent and I need to spew forth what's been stewing inside. We reach out, but with strings attached that we ourselves don't fully see. And then it doesn't go well. Bridges don't get built. And if bridges do get built, maybe traffic doesn't flow. I wonder if you know the Hope Memorial Bridge in Cleveland. The Hope Memorial Bridge has eight massive statues on it, massive statues called Guardians. And Cleveland's baseball team was just renamed after these Guardians. So the Guardians are these giant statues standing guard over the bridge. So often when we try to build bridges, we end up erecting guardians to protect ourselves. So no traffic actually flows between us. How disheartening to have a bridge with no traffic. So we stop building bridges. I stop reaching out to you. You stop reaching out to me. But we're not experts at reconnecting, so we give up. And then someone comes along and says, why not just make it all water under the bridge? Why don't we just start fresh? Let's just fill the chasm and move on. Some of us were taught to leave the room until we were ready to come back with a big smile on our face. So why don't we just leave the room for a moment and come back fresh? Oprah Winfrey and Bruce Perry co-wrote a book called What Happened to You? I wonder if you've heard of it. 
In the book, they show that often the water has not gone under the bridge. You think that you have moved on from an argument about taking out the garbage, but then a week later, the heat shows up in a discussion about the dishes. Oprah and Bruce Perry give the example of a kid acting out in class after having been a well-behaved student the year before. It turns out that the problem was his new teacher's aftershave. The teacher wore the same aftershave that the boy's father used to wear. And that triggered the boy's history with his father and made him act out in class. So Oprah and Bruce Perry make the point that we bring with us far more than we know. When something happens to us, that primal irrational part of our brain processes it before the rational parts have a say. And the irrational parts of our brain are heavily influenced by what happened to us in the past. So when we ask the question, what happened to you? We are asking what patterns might still show up in you today? We need to be trauma-informed because last year and past years in this congregation include some trauma. On top of trauma from the pandemic, from the news, from our personal lives. So we cannot just assume that what happened to us is water under the bridge. Some of us feel like we've been walking on eggshells this past year. If I say the wrong thing, someone I love might leave and not come back. Conversations can be fraught. We might wonder, what is going on here? How is this person experiencing me? If there's tension today, we might wonder, what is this really about? So I'm going to name some of our past hurts. And I'm going to be diplomatic. This isn't about blaming or shaming. So here we go. Last year, the board made the decision to not ex extend the contract of the minister. And this caught some people by surprise. The minister had some clear strengths that were very appreciated by some, a strong social justice ethic, experience in a marginalized identity, dedicated pastoral care, strong administrative skills. And the loss was felt strongly. And the board made the correct decision to keep their reasoning confidential. And this left some people confused. At a special meeting in February, tempers flared, feelings were hurt. And another piece of the story is over the years, some people did not like the style and approach to social justice and left the congregation. So could we just take a moment to breathe together and just sit with the events of last year together? And looking back several years, there were hurts related to the, to the organization of power in the church. What was the work of the congregation and what was the work of the minister? So 
Several years before that, there were concerns expressed about a leader's performance, and that ended with resignations and church-wide listening circles. Before that, there was the trauma of losing two ministers suddenly in quick succession. I haven't named all of our hurts. Uh, if I missed a big one, I welcome an email about it. If you felt an emotional reaction to anything I said, that means that it is not water under the bridge. So we have hurts. It is understandable if our hearts aren't fully open. Even with all of the joys that we've had together over the years, it is understandable if our hearts aren't fully open. Uh, I do wanna say I've heard some people say to me they actually regret some of their past behavior. So if you're feeling like, ooh, a bit of judgment about someone they might have already self-reflected, that's something to keep in mind. Um, I don't see us as stuck in the past. There is enthusiasm for thriving in the present and moving together into the future. This enthusiasm is not fake or naive positivity as if relationship isn't challenging, but a heartfelt belief that it is worth taking full breaths together and living life together. Part of the enthusiasm for this year is the commitment to doing the work of healing. There is a lot of hope here. And we are not experts at doing community. This is not a congregation of saints with a test to, to be allowed in. This is a congregation of people. People who have learned a thing or two about relationship, but who still have some patterns to unlearn. I've already mentioned the pattern of re-entering the room with a smile on your face. That strategy of fake it till you make it sometimes works, but often leads to superficial community. This is not what we are aiming for. Some of us learned the pattern of dealing with conflict by dominating the conflict. Be the loudest voice in the room. The loudest voice wins. That often works in, a, in the playground when I was a kid, I noticed. You emphasize your perspective. You can persuade people simply by emphasizing <laughs> your perspective. And you can interrupt so that the other person isn't wasting their breath with their perspective. That attitude that if only everyone listens to me, we will heal and find right relationship. We are taught to have the fire of commitment to speak up for what we believe in. If I fill the room with my fire of commitments, things will get better for everyone. If my fire burns people who are wrong, they'll move away and more people will be attracted to my fire. So that's one of the patterns we have learned. And these patterns can help you to win if you ever find yourself trapped in a royal rumble, but they are not conducive to doing open-hearted democratic community. Perhaps you were taught that if you made a mistake, it is the end of the world and you have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles repenting. 
this over-the-top repenting, saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, in all capital letters, over and over, can get in the way of making human contact. I believe that we all have patterns that are unhelpful just because of human nature or the world we grew up in. We are not experts at doing community. We're not experts at having open, heart-opening conversations. But the good news is we do not have to be experts. The good news is we simply have to be willing to try and learn and try again. We have had a very good start to the year. It feels like there is a willingness to and a high trust for engaging in this work. And the next step is to do the work. I've heard from a number of you about what you need to open your heart or what we need to open our congregational heart. By far the most common response was, we need to listen. I believe that our principles are infused with the importance of listening. So let's see if you agree. Here we go. Principle number one, the inherent worth and dignity of every person. Everyone has a valuable perspective. Principle two, justice, equity, and compassion in human relations. That does not sound to me like dominating a conversation. Principle number three, acceptance of one another and encouragement to spiritual growth, making space for each other's perspectives. Principle number four, a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. My responsible side says that I need to maintain the possibility that I have something to learn from you. I'll leave the remaining principles as an exercise for you to look at them through the lens of listening. So I believe not only are our principles infused with listening, our church covenant is as well. Our covenant says in part, the spirit in me welcomes the spirit in you. We listen to one another with respect and open hearts. We speak to one another with kindness intending to be understood. I wonder how much our covenant groups rely on covenant. So those of you who have been meeting together for years, having heartfelt conversations for years, I wonder, do you find that you consciously use covenant to maintain a healthy culture? Or do you find that covenant is like training wheels that you need less of as you deepen in relationship? For new groups, it is very common to make behavior agreements. I wonder if you know the groups that Parker Palmer facilitates called Circles of Trust. Parker Palmer is a Quaker, a teacher, a facilitator. He started the Center for Courage and Renewal. He helps groups to form deep connections in a short amount of time. He says, a small circle of limited duration that is intentional about its process will have a deeper, more life-giving impact 
than a large ongoing community that is shaped by the norms of conventional culture. So even a small temporary group can have a larger impact than a long-term group if they are intentional about how they meet each other. Here are some of the behavior agreements used at the Center for Courage and Renewal. Give and receive welcome. Extend hospitality and let others extend hospitality to you. Be present as fully as possible. Bring your doubts, your fears, your mistakes, in addition to your convictions and your joys. Use I statements so that you are speaking for yourself, not attempting to speak for everyone. And no fixing, no saving, no advising, no correcting. And ooh, that last one is a tough one. It feels so good to fix, save, advise, or correct someone else. But Parker Palmer invites you to put aside your inner teacher and experience the benefits of deep listening, what some people call listening for the soul. Parker Palmer doesn't just want better listening. He wants better communities and a better world. He says, there is a challenging paradox and it is a key to circles of trust. Honoring the soul will have outcomes for our work in the world, but if we want those outcomes to occur, we must approach the soul for no reason other than to honor it, making no effort to direct or demand outcomes. In other words, deep listening is broadly transformative, but only if your only goal in the moment is deep listening. Another facilitator, Adrian Marie Brown, author of Emergent Strategy, says that human society is arranged fractally, that how we are in our one-on-one -on -one connections is how we will be as a society. In my opinion, the biggest challenge our planet faces is how can 8 billion people get along? We need human connections in order to coordinate around pandemics and global warming. We need to figure out how to get along. And it starts with deep listening and speaking what is in your heart with the person next to you. We sometimes use a saying from the Sufi poet Rumi about being in deep relationship. Beyond ideas of right and wrong, there is a field. I'll meet you there. It's a beautiful saying. If we can just get past judging, we can fully meet. But Rumi has us meet on a field beyond right and wrong. And I picture a wide open field my experience is, is that we need more structure than that. So today, I don't picture us meeting in a field. I picture us meeting in a circle, a circle of trust. And at the picture of that circle, at the center of that circle, I picture a campfire. So as we sit in a circle, we tend the fire. 
It is a fire of hospitality, a fire of honest presence, not fake pleasantries. It is a fire of spacious listening. We sit in a circle of trust and tend the fire at the center. This circle is going to change us, but not by making us something we're not. We're not going to be compressed into a uniformity as if there is only one way to be in a circle. We are going to expand into a, a symphony. So if you are a base, the vision is that you will get more base than ever. You will be 100% yourself as a base. And if you are a slide guitar, you will be 100% a slide guitar. This work helps us to be more, to more fully grow into ourselves, even as we grow into relationship. We're going to experiment with different campfires that we sit around in our circles of listening. The first workshop of the year, which finishes this afternoon, is Kathy Foldis's workshop on personal transitions, a lot of listening to yourself and letting yourself open. On November 6th, we are bringing in a trainer named Kern Beer to circle around a campfire that he finds creates deep listening. And to be clear, the campfire is my metaphor. So I highly recommend going to Kern's workshop on November 6th, especially if you want to be at the heart of our interim work. We will also be offering other workshops and listening circles, other fires to circle around. And when I say uh, we organizing these, I'm referring to the transition team. The transition team helps the congregation to do the work of interim ministry. The board appointed the vision action committee to be the transition team, plus other people to round it out. And the full team is still forming and will be recognized at the service in two weeks. Step one of interim ministry is simply having the minister join the system. And my impression is that step one has gone very well. The next step is going to have an added layer of complexity. We will be testing the waters of opening our hearts. It is not going to be a straight line from here to total cosmic connection. Some days it might feel like one of those family circus cartoons where the kid is, leaves a trail all around the property. It's not gonna be a straight line. When feelings come up, remember that is good. Feelings mean that we are keeping it real. We have resources to help us work with what comes up. If you ever feel like you are from Mars and the person you are talking with is from Venus, there's a book that can help with that. There are many campfires that we can experiment with, many circles that we can try. It's not about getting it right the first time, it's about loving each other through the process and learning and building another campfire together and tending that fire together. What gives me hope is that humans have been circling around campfires since time immemorial. And what gives me hope is that lessons learned here will be amplified as they spread to other congregations and the larger world. 
what gives me hope is that as our church covenant says, the spirit in me welcomes the spirit in you. I love you. I feel your love for each other. See you at the campfire. <laughs>